last night that I said I would mention tonight. It will end not with a period, but with an ellipsis. You know, that's three little dots indicating that uh, it can't be finished. How could anybody other than God in the Godhead give an adequate and full testimony of Brother Lee's person, his God-man living, and his portion in the New Testament ministry. The items I will share on these three matters, person, living, and ministry, are items concerning which I have a deep assurance that this is not some kind of opinion derived from analysis. And it's a fact of life that we cannot fully know those older than we are in the Lord. Paul says the, the natural man does not know the things of the Spirit. The spiritual man discerns all things. But he himself is discerned by no one. I don't believe that especially in the last years that I was a natural man in relation to Brother Lee. But he knew me in a way that I could not know him. Because I did not, and this is obvious, I did not have his measure, his maturity, his growth. We tend unconsciously to assume that others are limited by our limitations. Even God Himself may be measured unintentionally by our measure. And others may be living in a realm of experience and reality concerning which we have no thought, no idea. We have no capacity even to consider such a thing until it is ministered to us. And especially in these years, certain things that have been ministered to us are not things that we can casually speak of after the message and say, oh, that's just what I experienced this morning. No, when Brother Lee talked about the divine and mystical realm, when he talked about the enlarged universal divine and human incorporation, I am straining my being to understand the words that he's speaking. So... I can give, I believe, a faithful and balanced testimony concerning the brotherly I know, but I can't. It is impossible to give a full testimony. I believe I can share for the length of time without too much feeling, but it will surface 
from time to time. Because the loss you see is incalculable. I do not murmur, I do not complain, but as one who was intrinsically related by the Lord's sovereign arrangement, I cannot deny what I feel. But this message or this fellowship, this is not really a message, it's not about what I feel. But you bear with me if the feeling surfaces from time to time. You'll recall last night, I tried to say that during Brother Lee's prolonged illness, after his imprisonment and trial, the Lord opened up to him certain matters of life in a marvelous way. It was during the two plus years of his very serious illness with tuberculosis that he saw the tree of life. And it was during that time that the Lord showed him, you are confessing until you have nothing more to confess. Even if there's not that much wrong, the problem really is not what is wrong, is that you need more God wrought into you. So the veil was lifted and the central work of God was revealed to the body. God's central work is to work Himself into our being, beginning from the Spirit. But that's the base. He needs to work Himself into your mind, into your memory, into your reasoning, into your imagination. He needs to work Himself into your emotion. Now, how can He work Himself into your emotion if He has no access? And sometimes in love, He does many things to draw out our emotion. And sometimes, with seeming severity, he deeply touches our emotion. The whole range of our emotion needs to be saturated with God. That's not easy. It's not easy with the sisters, and in some respects, it's even harder with the brothers. They may protect, hide their emotion. They may be somehow disassociated from their emotion. But the Lord has to get your feelings so that you don't end up a moody brother in your middle age, living according to the emotional tide. What about our will? With all of its intentions and motives, 
This is a work worthy of God to work Himself into every part of your being until your soul, your person, is saturated with the processed and consummated triune God. And eventually, your body will be the same as His glorious body. This is God's central work. God's way is to work on persons, to gain persons. And then according to the principle of incarnation, to move in and with and through those persons to accomplish what He wants. We are work-oriented in an outward way. God's way is to get a vessel. How long did He take to get Moses? Eight decades. Moses thought that as soon as he made the decision to go full-time <laughs> and to give up Egypt and to pay a price, he thought, Surely they'll recognize I'm the deliverer. I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He took a strong stand, saying publicly, I am not an Egyptian. I am a Hebrew. I was raised up by the Egyptians. I'm mighty in Egyptian wisdom and knowledge. But now I've come to full age and I know who I am and I know where I came from and I choose to stand with the Hebrews in slavery. I reject Egypt and I don't fear Pharaoh's wrath. And so he intervened in a struggle between an Egyptian and a Hebrew and if that wasn't murder one, at least it was manslaughter. <laughs> Probably was manslaughter. You ever considered? This is not actually, you know, this is not the act of a God-man. Let him go, or you get a karate chop that will send you to your doom. He did! You have to admit, that's natural strength. So the next day, Two Hebrews were going at it. And he came in. Said, why are you wronging your brother? And the one said, who is doing the wronging, who made you a judge over us? You're going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? And you read the narrative of Stephen in Acts 7. The word supposed is used. Moses supposed they would have recognized, but they didn't. That was sovereign. Moses wasn't ready. How do you think he would have handled the rebellion? Of, in that case, he wouldn't have fallen down on his face. He would say, I'm Moses. I'm God's deputy authority. You cross over this line. You're done for. I've got a rod. You saw what I did to the Egyptians. And you're next. You're next. A a anybody? Anybody up there? 
You know, we get in a lot of trouble with what we suppose. Some brothers paid a big price to come to the Lord's recovery, they think. And maybe they did. They were missionaries, they were pastors, they were this and that. And they come here supposing that the recovery will recognize that I am this and I am that. But the recovery doesn't recognize anything natural. If you have been constituted with God, we don't care how long you've been here, we will honor your constitution. But don't sit here and suppose. So Moses supposed, and then Moses went from the palace, from being the deliverer, to taking care of someone else's goats for quite a long time. Until in his view, at 80, it's over. He wrote a psalm indicating this. Uh, The span is 70 years. If we have special strength, 80. So according to Moses' calculation, it's over. He had to live through this paradox of getting the vision, giving himself, and have God seemingly nullify everything. God contradicts Himself seemingly. And I can imagine in those first months, Moses just says, ready, this is temporary. This is for me to get a wife and for me to learn some lessons to get some more perfecting from Jethro. This is temporary. But after years become decades, the natural life expires. And when you least expect it, when in your view it's over, God comes and says, I'm ready now. I'm ready to use you now. You're a man of God. You're a burning bush. You know you're nothing but a bush. I, Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, am the one burning in your being. Moses put your hand in your bosom and he took it out and he saw it was leprous. Another evidence that he's called. Now you know yourself, Moses. You know you're a flesh of sin. You know you're a constitution of the life and nature of Satan. You will not redeem Egypt by your mighty arm. Not by your wisdom. Not by your eloquence. Not by your administrative ability. You will do it in coordination with me. God took 80 years to get a vessel. Because without the vessel, there's no exodus. There's no people of God. No kingdom of God. So God gained two priceless vessels. Brother Nee and Brother Lee. And having gained them in their person, He could then use them to work. But not only to carry out a prevailing work, and if you were at the memorial meeting at the Anaheim Convention Center, you might have been shocked at how prevailing and universal that work was. 
But the intrinsic essence of his ministry toward the recovery was not just to do a work and not just to raise up churches, but to reproduce himself and to make others the same as he in nature, although not in measure. Brother Lee is not essentially different from you and me. He was a sinner by birth. He was saved by grace. His sins were cleansed away by the blood of Jesus. He was gained by God and made a God-man to share the ministry of the age. This we must honor as a fact. But we realize we are not here to exalt Him in a natural way, but to honor Him and to honor the Lord by honoring Him so that we may have a right understanding of how God has moved among us and what He wants to do in us. I will never have the same measure. I do not seek it. I do not seek equality with Brother Lee in any way. But I fully expect it will be like father, like son. How should it not be otherwise? We do not have two categories of people. We're all children of God. We just differ temporarily in maturity in life. So we will be the same in nature. The gifted ones perfect the saints to do what they do. Not to make a, a show, a demonstration of how they are and dazzle everybody and make everybody feel utterly inferior by comparison. One feature of Brother Lee's ministry is no self-promotion, no vain glory. He went to speak in San Diego in the early 60s and this place was meeting in a former theater. They had his name up in the marquee. When Brother Lee saw it, he said, take that down. If you don't take it down, I will not speak. He never sought glory for himself. Now, 20 points, I think. Some of you want to count. That's fine, no problem. Regarding his person. We could spend an hour we could spend the whole day on any one point. Actually, not talking about Brother Lee, talking about God's economy and God's dispensing and all that goes into producing this kind of person. But we're in a training, including me, and we're in space and time, not in eternity. And I'll stop. I won't promise it'll be before 9.25. I think I'll only give you time to pray. Speaking frankly, you may be too overwhelmed to say anything. And maybe we shouldn't try to say anything. Maybe we should just pray and give our being to the Lord. Amen. And say, do in me what you did in Brother Lee. Amen. Word. How he loved the Bible. He would read it just before falling asleep and leave it open on his pillow. And wake up in the morning and read some more. How we love the Word. 
To the very end, he was seeking the Lord in his word. He said publicly, so much light was coming, he'd be almost afraid to open up the word, the light would pour in. What you get from the Word and what the Bible is to you is determined by the kind of person you are. And the more brotherly was gained by God in His person, the more He was able through being transparent and humble and broken and pure and poor in spirit to receive light in the Word. But He loved the Word and He appreciated the brethren for instructing him in the letter of the word. And Brother Nee rendered him some very particular perfecting in knowing the word of God in a living way. As Brother Nee asked him, what have you been studying? What have you been reading? Brother Lee said, Colossians and Acts. And right away, Brother Nee showed the correlation of these two books and how they fit together. He helped our brother to know the Bible in the way of life. Bible is one book. All Christians have the same Bible, apparently. But in a very real sense, the Bible in the Lord's recovery is different from the Bible in Christianity. Don't add anything to it. Brother Lee is not our version of Joseph Smith. We are not a cult. We do not have a book of Mormon. We do not have anything that supplements the Word of God. The Word of God and only the Word of God is the divine revelation written. But we have a faithful interpretation of the Word of God. Many, many times in his ministry, Brother Lee would say something, then especially for the benefit of the young people, he would say, this is the way to study the Bible. In recent years with the ministry on crystallization, Brother Lee would point out, most Christians are skating on the surface of the Word. Skating on the ice. We need to cut a hole and plunge into the depths to know the intrinsic significance of the Word. I have never met a man so utterly faithful and obedient and committed at the cost of his life to the Word of God. He was a man of the Word. Next, he was a man of Christ. Not only for Christ, in Christ, with Christ, through Christ, by Christ, but a man of Christ, a man constituted with Christ, saturated with Christ, one with Him, according to God's economy. He did not imitate Christ. He did not teach me or you to imitate Christ. He lived Christ. He enjoyed Christ. One of his last prayers recorded in one of the books concerns knowing the Lord in the details of His riches. What wonderful hymns he wrote. 5.10 I found the one of peerless worth. Marvelous. I have to admit, during the testing, I was listening with one ear, and I was looking at hymn 195, Lord, Thou art all the offerings prepared by God for us. 
a man of Christ, who ministered Christ, who honored Christ, who expressed Christ, who lived Christ. That's what he was in his person. Then a man of life caused him a lot of trouble. A great many of the problems caused by descending ones and rebellious ones focus on this point. Lee was a man of life. In one of his messages, I can't give the reference offhand, he says when the Lord comes into us and regenerates us, He makes us a little tree of life. So you have two trees in your being, you know that? you got the tree of knowledge of good and evil in your flesh, trying to branch out into your mind. And you have the tree of life in your spirit, trying to branch out into your mind. He did not just have life. He did not just grow in life. He wasn't just filled with life to maturity. He was constituted of life. And the principle of his living was the tree of life, not right and wrong. Matters that were not matters of morality. He could be flexible. Seemingly inconsistent. He could say yes at this point and say no on that point, seemingly on the same matter, according to the situation and according to the Spirit. He did not live by the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you live by this principle, you will never understand Him. And you will never understand the depths of this ministry. You will pluck some fruit from the tree of life. But the basic principle of your being is that other tree. Not so with Brother Lee. Years of that devastating, ravaging illness, the Lord showed him the tree of life. The life study of John is structured around this. It's not yes or no. Who sinned, this man or his parents? Where do we worship? On this mountain or in Jerusalem? Right and wrong, yes and no, good and bad, good and evil. Brother Lee was not in this realm. He was the embodiment of the tree of life. He became life. He was a life man. He was supposed to begin the first life study 10-day training in the summer of 1974. But he had surgery earlier in the spring. And a week or so before the training was to start, the retina became detached. He need, needed immediate surgery and could not speak. So we did something else. But at the very end, he came in to the meeting in a wheelchair and they played a tape of this famous word. I have a word for word in my file called a man of life. And he begins with those words, life is mysterious because life is God Himself. Amen. You are heading toward a crisis in your inner being. This is not a threat. This is a prophetic promise based upon God's economy. What is that crisis? The Lord must sever the hold, the stranglehold of the tree of knowledge of good and evil in your being 
and make you a being of life. A little testimony. One day I was praying, Matthew 3. John the Baptist said, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. And that word became a rima. And the Lord indicated to me, I'm laying the axe to the roots of the tree of knowledge in your being. When the root is cut, there may be no apparent change on the surface. Those who are involved with cosmetic change, with improving themselves, with pruning this other tree, they may have very swift progress apparently but the old growth returns. But when the root is touched and the root is severed, the whole tree will die and it can be extracted. Do you know where the tree of knowledge of good and evil in you is going? It's going to the lake of fire. And the tree of life in you is making you the new Jerusalem. Could I not speak a day on brotherly being a tree of life? No problem. Who knows how long? That just give you a taste. He was a man of faith. Faith and grace are very much the same. Faith means, God, what you're asking me to do is impossible. So let us by all means do it. <laughs> God only asks you to do what's impossible. He's not asking you to do things you're capable of doing in your natural life. Then you would succeed and your success would damage you more than your failure. You think you're damaged by your failures. You're not damaged by your failures that much. You're damaged by your successes. Anyway, Abraham our father in faith, is brought to the point, it's impossible. And what I try to produce, God rejects. What a case with Abraham. Even his wife gives up. Brother, there's, brothers, there's, this is a parable. This has, there's a, must be some wise counsel here. The woman says, take Hagar and have a son with her. So he does. Abdicates his headship and he takes the suggestion and he has a child with Hagar and then Hagar gets puffed up and she makes light of Sarah. Then Sarah goes to Abraham and blames him for the situation. Not only does she blame him, God is silent for 12 years. How would you like to have about you know, 4,000 days of silence in your morning revival. No rebuke, just nothing. Then God eventually appears and says, I am the Lord, the Almighty God. I will fulfill my covenant. Cut off your flesh. A year from now, you'll have a son. Sarah laughs. And she tries to cover it up. And God said, you did laugh. When it was impossible, that's when God did it. 
We don't have a believing ability. Any believing ability we have is not worthy of God. Only God is the genuine believer. There is precious ministry in the life study of Romans, how faith is God infused into us until eventually we respond. This is really the way to deal with ornery, contrary, even difficult, even rebellious young people. I know they need a certain amount of discipline. They need a certain amount of limitation. But mainly you need a lot of infusion. And God, God gets in you, and then something responds in you to Him. That's not you. I am not coming to the full-time training. No way. MBA for me. Lexus on the way. <laughs> Condo in Malibu. Then the God of glory comes to you. You come into a meeting. You get blindsided. You don't expect. He comes in the principle of incarnation. You don't even know you're being shined upon. But you sit there guilelessly open. And God shines and speaks and shines and speaks. And then you lie in your bed tonight and you're bothered. May the Lord grant you His blessed bothering. Until faith rises up and you say, Okay, yes, amen. Brother Lee's a man of faith. So many stories, not only in a purely spiritual way, but in a practical way, of things called into being that were not. But not just in a physical way. But all the ministry in God's economy is a speaking in faith. Many, many times, His speaking is so normal, you think all of this light all of this utterance, brotherly is had, it's all written down, it's on an outline somewhere, you don't know it's coming as he speaks. He stood up in Eldon Hall in 1968, he said to touch the Lord, you only have to say four words. Then within him he's saying, Lord, what are the four words? <laughs> and the Lord gave him four words one by one. The first one is O. Oh. So Brother Lee says, Oh, Lord, Amen, Hallelujah. But I'm sitting there and I figured Brother Lee has known this for decades. A number of times he testified he would come up to speak. No idea what to speak on. And he would come up and he would say, Let us turn to... The Gospel of John. And then he is waiting on the Lord. Chapter 6. And the message would flow. Utter dependence on God. A man of faith. Don't you want to be this kind of person? Wouldn't you want to be perfected to be this kind of person? It's not a matter of what you can't do. Blessed are you if you know you can't do it. I used to be so good at reading the Bible three and one. Now I can't do it. Now I can't preach the gospel. Now I can't get up in the morning. Now I can't do this. Progress. In the training, come to the training. We will help you progress. You will make these discoveries of your impotence. 
then you'll need God. You'll not only love Him, that I was really helped by one perfected by Brother Lee, Brother, Brother, Lee, Brother Lou Sway. He said, we should tell the Lord, Lord, I can't live without you. This is even deeper in a sense than telling Him that you love Him. And your love that you have. How much of that is God wrought into you? How much of it is you? So don't be bothered. Don't get subjective. Don't get condemned. Don't try to figure out how much is me, how much is you. Just because I asked you doesn't mean you should turn inward. You just realize the love with which I love God is God. The faith with which I believe into God is God. He really is everything. I think in geometry, there's something called corollaries, right? If something is true, then something else may also be true automatically. Okay, if Christ is everything, then what does that make us? See? Nothing. These go in proportion. Christ is everything is a doctrine when you live in the all-inclusive self. But when the Lord intensifies His perfecting of you, and He takes away not only your weak points, but your virtues, your patience, your love, your diligence, everything is stripped away. And you consecrated to the Lord and you say, I love you, I gave myself to you, what are you doing? And the Lord says, if He would say anything, answering your prayer. Isn't it obvious? <laughs> no, it's not obvious. Brother Lee was a man for whom Christ was everything. So when he would pray, Lord, we are nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing. He meant it. How can Christ be everything to you if you have so much? Brother Lee is a man for whom Christ was everything. He was a man of grace. In the last weeks especially, in the last conference he ministered in particularly, he loved to sing all-sufficient grace. Never powerless. It is Christ who lives in me in His exhaustlessness. Grace in its highest definition is God in the Son to be enjoyed by us. It is not something done or given, but Christ Himself, our portion, glorious. Our brother Lee spoke with words full of grace. He bore his situation until he breathed his last, not by power, in a miraculous sense, but by grace. He was the embodiment of 1 Corinthians 15.10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. 
And His grace unto me was not in vain, for I labored more abundantly than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God. I've learned a little bit of Brother Lee. About a year, year and a half ago, I was unhappy in my work. I was working perhaps 60 or 70 hours or more week after week. And there was someone working less than half of that. And I, I had a kind of bitter feeling. I have to admit. And this surfaced. And instead of trying to hide it, I acknowledged it. And when I did, the Lord shined on me. This is not a matter of outward equality. You labor by grace. You just leave this dear one to me. Uh, this is not the Teamsters Union. This is my expression now. <laughs> this is not an outward equality. If I burden you, if I move in you, if I thrust the responsibility on you and I grace you, and you labor while others rest, so be it. There's grace for the labor. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. Brother Lee was a grace man, and he named the place where you're living Grace Garden. Wouldn't you like to really live in Grace Garden? Wouldn't you like to be a garden of grace? And grace grows in you and flows out of you, and you just speak grace into people. Amen. And someone comes to you distraught or discouraged and defeated. And you don't give them any kind of pep talk. You don't tell them to read Seven, Secret, Seven Secrets of Highly Effective People or whatever other self-help books is on the bestseller list. You minister grace. And they go away feeling... By the grace of God, I can do anything God requires me to do. Can you say that? One day you will. One day you will not be afraid. You will lose all of your fear. The Lord covers me to say this tonight. I have no fear. No fear of the future. No fear what will happen. There's grace, grace, abundant grace for it all. The grace will come at the time it's needed. I don't need the grace tonight for next week's burden. The brotherly I know is a man of grace. And with the grace was the enjoyment. Sometimes, if you see his expression, there's not that much expression. On the other hand, that cherishing countenance of his. He could cherish you with a look. Such grace. He's a man of revelation and vision. Never content with what he saw. Not afraid to release the vision. Even though it would collide with traditional theology. Although we didn't do this recklessly, some of us have a kind of bravado. This is natural. Right. We're like Peter with a sword in the garden. Yeah. 
Or shall we strike with the sword? Ah. Off comes an ear. The Lord is being arrested. And you, with your bravado and your sword, now create a need for a miracle. Can you imagine? So somehow he gets the ear, puts it back on. Then he has to give Peter some perfecting. Those who take the sword will perish by it. So Brother Lee was not reckless. Even in his anti-testimony against Christianity, he was not reckless in a natural way. And some of us were. In our prayers, we were calling fire down. And we got some adjustment and some perfecting right on the spot. That is not his spirit. On the other hand, he would call the harlot, the harlot would not be afraid to take on the whole Christianity. One day we were involved in some fellowship about the release of affirmation and critique. And one sister, she opened up. She was fearful. Oh, this is going to lead to war. That's the whole idea. You know that. And I don't want confrontation. I didn't rebuke her. There's no need to rebuke the sister. We did shepherd. At a certain point we said, Sister, what are you afraid of? What are they going to do? And under the Lord's covering, I said this word. Even if you get me, my sons will rise up to defeat you. And I don't just mean the three begotten of me the daughter and the two sons. You will not defeat us. The Lord is burdened to raise up a young army, trained, equipped, commissioned, burdened, because they're constituted with a vision, with a revelation. And you won't be like the seven sons of Sceva trying to attempt a second-hand exorcism. Remember that in Acts? Paul cast out the spirit of Python caused quite a stir. And then these seven sons of Sceva say, huh, we can do it. <laughs> so they said, I adjure you, I rebuke you in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches. <laughs> and the enemy can answer. And he said, Jesus... I know. And Paul, I'm acquainted with. <laughs> but who are you? <laughs> so all seven of them were really beaten up. Now look. We know from whom we have learned. Amen. We are not ashamed of it. Amen. But we're not going about with a second-hand vision saying, I teach this in the name of Brother Lee, who got it from Brother Nee, 
who somehow got it from the Lord through the Word. And poor me, I can just barely repeat it. No, no. It will become yours. It will become you. So the same vision, the same revelation the Lord showed our brother has been ministered, has been put into footnotes, life studies, and books so it can become yours. You don't have to pay the price to get it originally. Just pay the price to be constituted with it. And join us to pay the price to carry it out. Our brother was a man of revelation, a man of vision. He was a man of truth. Very accurate, very strict, very careful concerning the truth. The rebellion in 1978 was founded on lies. It was carried out by someone who was not only a liar, but who was a lie. And Brother Lee's antidote was life and truth. Truth is not a newspaper report. Truth is a vision televised into your being. Truth is the shining of the divine light. Our brother was a man of truth. A man thoroughly enlightened. Don't settle for doctrine, brothers. You may be in doctrine tonight. It's okay. You're a young man. You're a college student. How much reality can you have at 21? Don't beat up on yourself. But lest you think you know it means you are it, we are here to render a little help for you to realize to know is one thing, to be constituted is another. We need light upon light upon light to shine on every point of the ministry till it's truth to us. Brother Lee was a man of love. He is the one who opened to us the divine romance. He is the one who started the life study of Romans with these tremendous words. The Bible is a romance in the most pure and holy sense of a universal couple. Hymn 169, Lord, Thou art the lovely bridegroom. Do you know in relation to the Lord Jesus, Brother Lee was a female? Brothers, we've got to learn this. God's economy doesn't need macho man. God's economy needs God-men, males, brothers, who realize in relation to Christ, we're part of the bride. Have a bridal love for the Lord. Brother Lee had such a love for the Lord, the depths of it are hidden in his being. But a love for the Word, a love for the saints, a love for the churches, a love for the enemies. Once in public ministry, he made the observation, the time will come and those who oppose me in this matter, you will come to me in the new Jerusalem, in the new heaven and the new earth. 
And you will repent and say, Brother Lee, we're sorry. We're sorry for opposing you. But in the age of grace, we oppose you in this matter. And Brother Lee said he would say to them, Oh, brother, I forgave you already back in the age of grace. When he ministered on shepherding according to the loving and forgiving heart of our Father God, where was that loving and forgiving heart? Just up there? Only in the heavens? Was it not reproduced and reflected in the heart of our brother? I was not only loved by Him, I've been forgiven by Him for so many things. One time at a critical situation, a desperately vulnerable situation, we had some fellowship and He said to me, you need to be covered. And I realized I was and I would be. Not only by God, but by Him. Love covered. He doesn't hate anyone. Not the opposers in Christianity. Not the rebellious ones. Not the dissenting ones. The works of division, surely we would loathe, but not the person. How can you be God in life and nature without being loved, since God is love in His inner substance? Brother Lee was a man of love, but not natural. Because it wasn't natural. Because it wouldn't cater to the natural man, some would not know him and think he doesn't love, he doesn't have feeling, he's not human. But the brotherly I know was full of humanity. A Jesusly human person full of God as love expressed in a human vessel in resurrection. Not natural. He was a man of newness. He wrote him 16, Father, thou art unchanging, thou never hast grown old. We'll be new. There were the, the burials at the end of 1967. We, we got baptized again in Eldon Hall. This started this burial flow. Nothing mandated. Everybody virtually during this one weekend. We all went into the baptistry. Meetings consisted in people just going in there and getting buried, but not Brother Lee. His testimony was, all of you needed to be buried because you were old. But I am not old. I am not old, so I don't have any oldness to bury. How about that? So I made a decision in the light of Brother Lee's life experience by the Lord's grace and mercy. I may grow up, but I refuse to get old. <laughs> I know my outer man is doomed for you know to be consumed, but I want to learn of Brother Lee to be new every day. Amen. He was a man of newness. He didn't do outward things just to be different. He was intrinsically new. You know something Brother Lee, Brother Nee said about the Bible? About his reading of the Bible? He said, every time I read it, I read it for the first time. 
just any old thing. Look at Brother Lee was the son of Adam in the flesh like us. How did he become this new creation, this new man, this new being? Don't you want to learn? I'm twice as old as most of you. Apparently. <laughs> but I'm learning how to be new. But he gave some messages on being renewed day by day. And he pointed out there's a cost to being renewed. The outer man is consumed. The inner man is being renewed day by day. And when I saw him, to bid him farewell. And when I left, when I was driving back home, I had such a sense within me, within that very infirm body, is a wonderful new creation. But it's not by just a declaration, but it's by a constitution with the newness of resurrection life. Brother Lee was a man of reality. Oh, what substance. He was what he spoke. He ministered what he was. See, ministry isn't that you talk about water. Let me discourse about water to you. Yet you don't get any water. You only get words about water. That means you have become that. And don't misunderstand, but if you do, I'll forgive you. We can only minister what we are. Whenever you speak, your being will come out. If there's no divine reality wrought into you, you can't minister it. By being a man of reality, Brother Lee was a man of genuineness, of sincerity, no politics. Have you read his notes on truthfulness? Did you moan the change of, from reality to truthfulness in John 4.24? You won't moan if you get light on it. Truthfulness is the revealed divine reality becoming our human genuineness and sincerity. Amen. So Brother Lee never played politics. He was not a man pleaser. He was not a man fearer. Yet he wasn't reckless to offend people. That's natural. He would care for people. And a person so unpolitical as Brother Witness Lee. It's time to fight, then we must fight. It's time to speak a frank word, then he would speak a frank word. He can have the full peace as Paul could tell the Ephesians, I did not shrink back from telling you anything. Lee was a man of prayer. So much of this is hidden, as the Lord Himself teaches, as Brother Lee ministered and practiced. We don't know. He not only prayed, 
He was a man of prayer. When he ministered on the God-man living, about the first God-man being a man of prayer, could brotherly minister that without being that? He prayed. His being was a praying being. The Lord's recovery was born by prayer. And it's sustained by prayer. As much as Brother Lee was a minister of the Word, he was a man of prayer, just as the apostles were. We will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Thousands of us, and that's no exaggeration, can testify. But when we would ask him for advice, ask him for fellowship, he would say, pray. You need to pray. In, his, in the life study of Mark, he gives a marvelous definition of prayer. He said, prayer is not I, but Christ. The disciples couldn't cast out the demon. The Lord came and cast it out. Why couldn't we do it? He said, this kind goes out only by prayer. Other prayed prayers of warfare. Prayers in faith to call the things not being as being. The move in Russia was born out of prayer. He testified this. A little of this I have. I'm going to read this book. Lessons on Prayer. If you want to know what prayer is, read that book. But learn of me. Don't read it looking at yourself. Read it in this way. Lord, I have a lot to look forward to. Not poor me, I'm terrible, I'm bad. Bad, bad brother, bad God man to be. I'm no good, I can't pray like this. I'm terrible, I'm bad. No! Of course you can't pray like this. That's why you need perfecting. That's why the Lord gave us this vessel. So that we can learn that prayer begins with God and it flows out from Him into your spirit and it passes through your being and it flows back to God and God answers His prayer prayed in you and through you. Don't you want to pray like that? Brother Lee was a man of the Spirit. He ministered on the compound spirit so much. He was soaked with that Spirit. He was reduced to the Spirit. He lived and walked in the Spirit. Brother Lee was a man of discernment and wisdom. His discernment used to scare me to death when I began working with him. I'm 35 and he's 70. I'm Ron Kangas and this is Witness Lee. And we're sitting together at his dining table working on the life study of Genesis and I am scared to death of this x-ray vision. Ted <laughs> going over there, over on Robert's place in his apartment over there. Scared. He's going to know me. And then if he knows me, he's going to throw me away. <laughs> he already knew me before he asked me to join him in the work. So I would be tense. I would be careful. And eventually, I gave up. I said, Lord, I'll just let him know me. I'll let him discern me. He knows me better than I know me. So one day, when I was shaving, 
Talk about doing something not spiritual. <laughs> Brother Lee administered on disposition. Administered in a very practical way on disposition. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I had a definite leading from the Lord. Call Brother Lee and ask him to do something. So, I did. I said, Brother Lee, could I have a time to fellowship with you? So I went to his apartment on Robert's Place. This is maybe 1975 or 1976. And he's just sitting there so restful and he smiled and said, what would you like to fellowship? And I asked him what the Lord required me to ask of him. Brother Lee, will you please touch my disposition? I'm, I was desperate about this matter. I'll never forget his answer in three sentences. He said, Brother, the Lord will gain us. Then he said, We work together. And then he said, Surely, I will do it. This fellowship is not about me. It's about Him. What has been gained, the Lord knows. The mature ones in the body, they know. But I can testify. He was faithful to touch my being accurately, deeply, according to his discernment. I, had no, I have no way to discern his discernment. He said more than once, I know your heart. If he lived according to the knowledge of good and evil, that discernment could have been quite a negative thing. But his discernment of me and his discernment of us was always used to heal, to supply, to protect, and to perfect. Wisdom. Incredible wisdom. Christ himself transmitted into him to be such wisdom. This is one of the things I miss the most. Now the faxes, the phone calls, the emails, they can't go to Grace Court. They should all go there. And Brother Lee has all the answers. We have to grow. We have to go on. He was a man of wisdom we have to be attached to that same Christ. He was a man of faithfulness. Not only of faith, but faithfulness. You know, Revelation 17 says about the overcoming army, they that are with Him were called and chosen and faithful. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, it is sought in stewards that they would be found faithful. So much was committed to Brother Lee. He was utterly faithful. 
He surely had the proper name, a faithful and true witness. Never compromised the truth. It's saying the following. He was utterly faithful in money matters. A lot of learning went into that. He was maligned as Paul was, accused of misappropriating money for a meeting hall in a certain place. Utterly a lie. Accused of doing so many things as Paul was by the Corinthians. But I bear witness, although my knowledge is incomplete, but I know the man. I don't have to know so many things. I know the person. He was utterly faithful. He did not love money. And when I began to work with him in April of 1974, I had this realization. I don't have to bring up the matter of support. He will take care of me. And the Lord through him did. Maybe not always in the way according to my natural concept, but in the best way. Today's Christianity is riddled with corruption in finance. Few of us have any idea of how much was entrusted to our brother, not only spiritually, but financially, and in terms of resources. An utter faithful steward. Tonight, if you were given a million dollars, are you sure you could handle it? Here is a brother, pure, as Brother Nee was pure and spoke about it in the character of God's workman. No love of money, not influenced by money. Faithful. He was a man of labor. He said often, I only know to labor. No superstition here that the lazy may buy into. I don't need to pray. I don't need to work. I, God just does things. God sends manna. He was a man of labor. One of the things he said at the end was, I hate that I can't work. He was not a workaholic. That's a slur. But to him, life and person and work are all the same. He labored, not just work. If you do not have the aspiration, the willingness to labor, don't touch the work. This is not a spiritual replacement of having a job. Co-workers do not work eight hours a day full-time is full time. That doesn't mean we drive ourselves beyond measure. But if God wants to wake us up at two in the morning with something, He has the right to do it. If we need to work for 16 hours in a day, motivated by the grace of God, we have no peace to do otherwise. We must join Him in His labor He labored as a co-worker of God. He was a man of suffering. 
working on something in relation to the three tabernacles. I consulted a marvelous matter in the ministry and Brother Lee pointed out. He said, I learned this through intense suffering. From American racism, he suffered poverty, he suffered under rebellion, he suffered in his body, he suffered from our slowness, from our incompetence, from our immaturity. I regret that especially in the early years, I was a suffering to him. I didn't intend to be. This what I was in relation to what he was was so hard on him. He suffered for the body of Christ. He suffered for the ministry. He was a man of suffering. He was a man of warfare. How I miss this. The seasoned warrior, so skillful in the spiritual warfare, so knowledgeable concerning the stratagems of the enemy. He's asking, where is, where is the umbrella? But according to our maturity in life, we must recognize there's a battle to be fought. There is an enemy, there is an adversary who is out to destroy the very thing we have given ourselves to. And we must be prepared for war, not against blood and flesh, but against the principalities and powers. Our brother struggled. You heard his testimony about the struggle. He urged us to join him in the struggle. Now his part is over. How much the saints can pray according to Revelation 6? They can pray in paradise. But the struggle must be continued by us. Come here to be trained for war. To be an army. To destroy the enemy. Would you not like to descend with the Lord from the throne to be part of that warrior bride clothed in white and to witness the binding of the devil and the consuming of the Antichrist? I sure want to be there. He was a man for the body. First came here, there are some best-selling books on the body life. Brother Lee said he laughed and laughed till his teeth felt like they would come out. (laughs) Ministry on the body has been so prevailing because that was a stratagem of the enemy to nullify the God-ordained way and the training that would issue in the organic building up of the body. On the one hand, Brother Nee's imprisonment released life to the body. On the other hand, he overcame in prison because of the life in the body. To live in the body is to live in another organic realm 
where you feel things you do not feel as an isolated individual. You suffer more than you would ever thought possible because the body's suffering becomes yours. One member suffers, the whole body suffers. Members suffer, yet you feel nothing. That's not to shame you. Why? Because you don't know the body, you don't live in the body. Yet one member is honored, all rejoice. There is a supply and there is a burden ahead of us. If we will follow our brother in the way of life to know the body. If the body can be built up in our lifetime, this built up body will be the prepared bride and the Lord will come back. Someone has to do it. It has to be done somewhere. Why not in the Lord's recovery? Brother Lee was a man of the New Jerusalem. Remember he said, what have I seen after all these years? I would say I have seen the New Jerusalem. The last thing I want to mention about his person, and I think I covered everything that I had here. I feel I need to add this. Brother Lee was a man of mystery. Grace is an age of mystery. God's economy is the economy of the mystery. Our God is a God who hides Himself. Brother Lee is very normal, very human. I'll give you a couple instances. I think one of these I might have promised from last night. But I don't know where I am in relation to last night's promises. But I feel you're getting an evening's worth as it is. Brother Lee was very human, but not naturally human. He lived among men in a human way, but simultaneously he's in a divine and mystical realm. But to show, show you how human, I tell you the following anecdote. It's 1968. About 140 of us from the United States went to Taipei to visit there. And on a Lord's Day afternoon, we all went to the seashore. You know, not to swim, not to surf. We just went to the seashore to see this is a lovely sight. And there were vendors there selling plastic bags with pretty seashells. And I liked them. And a number of us, we also, we liked them. We liked to buy some of these seashells. But then we caucused among ourselves and we said, too worldly. <laughs> too worldly. Then we're walking back to the bus and I'm walking behind Brother Lee and on each hand he has a few bags. <laughs> See, I was there, I went there with a standard of unworldliness. Is it worldly to have an electric shaver? Is it worthy to have this kind of time? And surely, I must practice asceticism. So there he is. He liked the shells. I, I think you will excuse me to tell the following story. I was working with him, and there was this cute little doggy figurine. 
little white doggy. And actually, not that long ago, you know, I, I saw it there, if I remember correctly. He, he got it in one of his travels. And he said, I got this for my granddaughter. But I liked it so much, I kept it. <laughs> this doesn't mean he didn't get, get his granddaughter. He took care of them. Another incident happened in my own very house. And it's the story of Brother Lee and me and a dog named Elmer. <laughs> Some of you heard about Roosevelt on another occasion, but this is in the pre-Roosevelt days. In fellowship with Brother Lee, we had moved from Chicago to Detroit in 1971 for the church life. On the way there, our rental truck caught fire and everything in it burned. And that was a loss, but the Lord graced me and the Lord graced my wife. And one of the things she lost was her piano. Well, one Saturday afternoon, she was depressed. And she made an announcement, as wives sometimes makes. It's one of these non-negotiable proclamations <laughs> that I'm going out to buy a piano. <laughs> so you stay here with, obviously, uh, a boy, year and a half old, and a daughter, three and a half years old. And I'm sitting there on the couch just wondering how she's going to get a piano home. <laughs> anyway, it turns out the address she thought was east was really west, and so she never found the place that sold a piano, but she ended up at a pet shop. So she came home with a dog. And in those years, I did not have very much wisdom in relation to married life, but I realized this, you love me, you love my dog. I also knew Brother Lee would be coming for a conference. Brother Lee uh, doesn't care for dogs. I mean, has definite feelings about dogs. So we had Elmer in the house, and he was not... We did our best. We should have gotten him trained as we did the others, but we did our best to contain him. But one evening, Elmer went into Brother Lee's room and then ran off with one of Brother Lee's socks. <laughs> I am mortified. I'm very image conscious, very self-conscious, and also concerned for Brother Lee's feeling. And eventually we're able to separate sock from dog. <laughs> And Brother Lee came out. I can, I can see this so clearly. It's been 26 years. And he stood in the hallway. He was so endearing. And he was smiling. And he said, you know, I don't like dogs. <laughs> and then he went on to say, but that's psychological, isn't it? Smiled and he said, we're too psychological. 
Then he went back to his room. And I breathed a sigh of relief. <laughs> and did my best to contain Elmer. David went into Brother Lee's room and walked away with one of Brother Lee's shoes. <laughs> the Lord to please allow me to share the following. It's really about Brother Lee. I hope it's not for the glory of me or anybody else. But eventually, this little boy who trotted off with one of Brother Lee's shoes, uh, contrary to his expectation, came to the full-time training. From 1993 to 1995. I think this is right. There is an office meeting. And Brother Lee had come to know David in the training. Brother Lee was sharing with the serving ones, realizing how limited really is our financial recompense for what we do. Our reward is of another kind. And then he referred to David as someone in the training, under his training. He said, such a son is worth a billion dollars. In other words, you don't have much financially, you will never get much financially. But God will raise up. And he followed my family very carefully my daughter and my two sons, very carefully, and so did Sister Lee. At one point he asked me to tell about how they're doing. His answer was, the Lord has blessed your family. It's a boast, forgive me. It's not about me. It's about this God man who was a blessing and a channel of blessing among us And I know of no greater blessing to a brother or sister in the Lord's recovery than to have the sons and daughters see the vision, make the consecration, and pay the price to go the same way for God's economy. Lee, I don't have the time and I don't have the leading to try to squeeze in some fellowship concerning Brother Lee's ministry outwardly or Brother Lee's living outwardly. Actually, it's all here. But one very particular matter, when I need to finish this point, uh, I do not claim a privileged relationship with Brother Lee. I am one of the many sons, one of the many co-workers. I don't want to give anyone the impression, and I say before the Lord, I do not have this impression, that I had some kind of privileged and special relationship 
with our brother. I've seen this matter used and abused. Some would say, I spent the whole morning with Brother Lee and this and that, and he told me this and that. I was one of the brothers, and I'm still one of the brothers. One of the fellow slaves laboring with him. But through these 23 years plus of working together, I did get to know Him in Christ in the way I've described to you. But having said it all, in a very real sense, He's a mystery. He was so human in relation to dogs and to seashells and figurines. So human to care not only for my outputs, but to care for my family. When I was about to move to a certain place in fellowship with him, he asked me, can your wife bear this? I believe if I had told him, I said, Brother Lee, it's too much. Eventually it came to that at a certain point. I had to tell Brother Lee, I just can't do this right now. And he bore with me. But after a period of time, he contacted me again. This is about moving to Anaheim. He knew the situation thoroughly. He said, I heard some good news about this and that. I shared with him about some matters. He said, you and your wife pray together. You just pray together. And the blessing came and the grace came and we were in one accord. I called him back and I said, you're absolutely in one accord to do this. I can tell you all these things. Yet Brother Lee is still so beyond us that I can't fully assess the realm in which he lived. And what should be hidden between all of us and our Lord, let it remain hidden. But this is the Brother Lee I know. I'm glad the Lord Jesus is the prototype, that Paul was a pattern. But I'm thankful. And I will always be thankful that there was among us a pattern of a genuine God-man and an overcomer. And I count it the greatest honor and privilege of my life to be related to Him in the New Testament ministry. I do not murmur at the Lord for taking Him. He finished the course. Now we are here, constituted with the truth, knowing from which ones Brother Nee and Brother Lee we have learned just so that we would honor them.
but that we would follow step by step to be the same, not for our glory, not for our spirituality, but for the building up of the body of Christ to consummate the new Jerusalem. Our brother has gone to the Lord, but the Lord is with us. He's with His recovery. His hand of blessing is here. The baton has been passed. Let us run. The following is the seventh meeting of a history of God's move held during the Southern California College Training on Wednesday, August 13, 1997. This message is specifically called The History of the Lord's Recovery with Witness Lee, Part 2, and is given by Ron Kangas. that I said I would mention tonight it will end not with a period but with an ellipsis you know that's three little dots indicating that uh, it can't be finished how could anybody other than God in the Godhead give an adequate and full testimony of Brother Lee's person, his God-man living, and his portion in the New Testament ministry. The items I will share on these three matters, person, living, and ministry, are items concerning which I have a deep assurance that this is not some kind of opinion derived from analysis. And it's a fact of life that we cannot fully know those older than we are in the Lord. Paul says the the natural man does not know the things of the Spirit. The spiritual man discerns all things. But he himself is discerned by no one. I don't believe that especially, especially in the last years that I was a natural man in relation to Brother Lee. But he knew me in a way that I could not know him. Because I did not, and this is obvious, I did not have his measure, his maturity, his growth. We tend unconsciously to assume that others are limited by our limitations. Even God Himself may be measured unintentionally by our measure. And others may be living in a realm of experience and reality concerning which we have no thought, no idea 
We have no capacity even to consider such a thing until it is ministered to us. And especially in these years, certain things that have been ministered to us are not things that we can casually speak of after the message and say, oh, that's just what I experienced this morning. No, when Brother Lee talked about the divine and mystical realm, when he talked about the enlarged universal divine and human incorporation, I am straining my being to understand the words that he's speaking. So, I can give, I believe, a faithful and balanced testimony concerning the brotherly I know, but I can't. It is impossible to give a full testimony. I believe I can share for the length of time without too much feeling, but it will surface from time to time. Because the loss you see is incalculable. I do not murmur, I do not complain, but as one who was intrinsically related by the Lord's sovereign arrangement, I cannot deny what I feel. But this message, or this fellowship, this is not really a message, it's not about what I feel. But you bear with me if the feeling surfaces from time to time. You'll recall last night, I tried to say that during Brother Lee's prolonged illness, after his imprisonment and trial, the Lord opened up to him certain matters of life in a marvelous way. It was during the two plus years of his very serious illness with tuberculosis that he saw the tree of life. 